Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the podcast where we explore genre fiction through the lens of literature, film, and ridiculous conversation. Today, we have a guest in said ridiculous conversation. We have Angela Darling, who hails from the Pacific Northwest, just like myself. Um, She is a horror writer, among other things, and I'm going to let her take that away with with her introduction. Angela, why don't you tell us about yourself? Thank you for coming on the show today. No, thank you guys for having me. Um, this is this is really exciting, especially talking to uh, to some local local uh, people that have ties to the to the Seattle area as well. Um, I've been writing. I'm, I'm Angela. I've been writing for about. I'm really going to give my age away here, um, but over 30 years. Mm. Um, I, I think I picked up. Uh, well, I picked up a pen in a very not a very literal sense I think um, back then it was not computers quite yet but uh, word processors <laughs> <laughs> I'm really aging myself wow this is very bad. Um, but I have been writing since I was about 10 years old um, I saw my mom reading every single day and I was intrigued so of course I started picking up books and reading them and I'm um, really kind of getting lost in those worlds and then uh, one day I decided to create my own and uh, I attribute the horror piece kind of coming from a lot of Edgar Allan Poe that I used to devour when I was a little girl. And I was also into the the VC Andrews, um, the original, not the <laughs> regurgitated um, stuff that, that you see now. But I've been writing for many, many years. Um, I, I published my first book, Fallen, back in 2011. Um, and since then, I've published a, a approximately nine or ten now I think at this point I'm kind of losing count it's fabulous though um I've got a a, a little rogue band of readers that uh you know I I just appreciate every time I put something out that you know they're super quick to to read it and give me their feedback so that that's me in a nutshell excellent uh what are some of the what are some of the books that you've published what are your what's your favorite book you've ever published oh uh hard one I, I like them all for kind of different reasons i think the most commercial one that i've published is the de book um i published that in uh, september of 2019 um i'm actually working on a screenplay uh for it i have a couple of people in the industry that are interested um in reading what i have it's it's different though writing a screenplay versus a novel oh yeah um I'm not reliant on that prose anymore to uh, to describe things. Now it's very much just action based and uh, just it's a different type of animal. So it's it's kind of coming along very very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got some other projects I'm working on too. I'm I'm actually really excited about this um, series that I'm going to be putting out. Can you survive series? Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, <laughs> it's essentially kind of a situational. Uh, it's it's uh, you know changes for every choice that you make. You could potentially um, you know die. <laughs> Basically, it's uh, just 19 different ways that I can kill my readers and one way that they'll survive. It's really kind of interesting though because of course I used to read the choose your own adventure books back in the 80s again I I can't talk about this stuff without aging myself I'm sorry um but I I used to love those Uh, I just uh I I wanted to do something kind of more adult and kind of more uh survival uh based so the first one asylum comes out next month uh essentially the whole premise is that you wake up in an asylum you have no idea who you are how you got there and all of a sudden you're you're chained down to a bed and there's something scratching at the door (laughs) and and writing it in second person is is different too um Mm -hmm. you know very 
uh, <laughs> you, um, it's it's a different animal entirely. So I, I kind of like to try to step outside of those comfort zones to see what else you might be um, be good at. But but I just I hope I don't disappoint any of the <laughs> the small uh, bunch of readers that I've accumulated thus far. We shall see. That That's sounds good. awesome. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it'll it'll appeal to a broader audience too. I can think of a lot of my friends that play like tabletop role playing games that would love to pick one of those up. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually did have a friend reach out to me. Believe it or not, uh, he pinged me one day. He's like, "Hey, uh, I'm like super into this Dungeons and Dragons, and I really need an awesome quest. Can you help me out?" Like, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I've never done that before, but uh, yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> nice. Well, Travis would be a good reference for you if you're if you're looking for any help on that. He DMs all the time. Oh, nice. My brother, oh, my brother and his friends used to do that um, when I was growing up. They would just get super into it. And I think I had a character too, but I think I was an elf or something. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I really like the aspect of it that you kind of can pull from like things that really intrigue you and pull them into the fantasy world, which actually leads me to a question of why the book? What kind of drew you to that story and that, I guess, like urban legend or yeah. more? So I'd always, I, I heard the story, um, and I'm sure that you guys have probably heard the, the story about that. God, I think it was maybe five years ago, there was an eBay um, listing for some sort of haunted box or something. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. seeing that? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually I stumbled across that one day and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I read into it, of course, because whenever anything tickles my fancy, I've got to know everything about it. Um, <laughs> So, so I read into that a little bit. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I wondered, though, if uh, the supposed spirit might be able to inhabit other things as well. Um, but I didn't really get a true idea for wanting to write something until um, I started playing around with a Ouija board when I was in my late 20s. Stupid. I had a little to drink, was hanging out with some friends, and someone thought, oh, let's pull out a Ouija board, because this is the best way to not get into trouble. And something happened that just freaked me out to this day. I couldn't sleep. And I'm, I'm a pretty tough nut to crack when it comes to being scared. I could not sleep that night. We were communicating with something, um, my friend Jamie and I. Um, I remember looking across the, the table at her. It was just the two of us with our hands on this little planchette and asking questions. And she wasn't screwing with me. I wasn't screwing with her. There was something. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it freaked me out enough to be like, okay, well, maybe this will be a cautionary tale for anyone who's interested in getting into that stuff. I. I don't, I know a lot of stuff, but I don't know everything. And I think with things like that, it's better to just let it lie. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that. But that's kind of where the idea came from is a, a night at a Ouija board. And then um, remnants of that, that uh, story I heard about a de book. Um, it was just essentially kind of a vengeful spirit and that it, um, <laughs> that it clung to the person that it was, you know, I guess drawn to. And there was one one scene in, in my book where this girl's walking down the street, or no, she's running down the street because something's chasing her and she catches her reflection at night in the, the window of a nearby house and she sees this beast just on her shoulders. It's just... <laughs> 
-hmm. just it's uh, kind of creepy but that i don't know that that was that was interesting to me so that's kind of where it came from <laughs> so almost every culture in the world has some brand of possession lore why is that such a terrifying type of creature to to so many people that that idea of possession is it because we're afraid to hurt the possessed is it because we're afraid of being the possessed and not being in control of what we do what, what do you think mm. it is about possession in particular that that makes it such a terrifying uh, concept i think it's twofold actually and i'm kind of looking at it from my from the perspective of the characters in my book you know there's brie who's the one that's being haunted that's um she's terrified obviously of being possessed by this thing and, and losing control and um god knows what might happen and then there's david her her friend who he he kind of represents anyone else you know around them that's terrified of seeing this person that they care about being lost to this being i think i think as a society though i think it's you know you hear those bedtime stories of uh, boogeymen and witches and, and things coming to, to haunt you in the night if you don't behave. Um, and I think this might be kind of taken to a, a level um, above that, where I think our collective fear is um, being possessed by something that could make us do very bad things. I don't know that it's anything more than that. I think it's really that simple. <laughs> so you, I think it's interesting. Oh, sorry. Do you think it would be more terrifying to be close to the person who's possessed or to be the one possessed that's a really good question i want to <laughs> say to be the one possessed because you know who who wants to who wants to not be in control of themselves and i think that might be also what it comes down to is that lack of control that loss of control over anything um but the person that you know I don't know, is close to that person that is possessed. I mean, now they have to kind of deal with a lot of other things that, I don't know. I, I think I think being possessed is probably the more um, terrifying prospect, that loss of control. Um, I, I was going to say, I think I feel the opposite way about it. Um, really? Been dealing a lot with, like, uh, dementia lately because mm. my grandfather-in-law is suffering from severe dementia but like he doesn't really know what's going on mm -hmm. um so in a lot of ways i feel like dementia is just as damaging if not more so to the people you know around him in some ways Absolutely. and i wonder about that with possession because if you lose control of your faculties completely there will come a point where you don't even know you're doing it and that's abstractly <laughs> terrifying before the fact but like mm -hmm. while it's happening man i mean could you imagine like your wife trying to kill you Right. And, and just, then, and then, right. And then having to take action, but not being able to, because, you know, you still see the shell of the person that you cared about. Yeah. I, I can see the parallels there. And I was actually thinking that I didn't know. <laughs> um, my grandfather had Alzheimer's and I remember he'd have his good days and he'd have his bad days. Mm -hmm. And um, on the bad days, you know, I used to think it was terrifying to wake up and not know where you are, who you are, who these people are that are visiting you. But at the same time, it's it's kind of a relief for because they don't have, I don't know, they don't have to deal with the struggles that the people around them see those changes and um, make some decisions based on that. What do you think, Travis? You got to break the tie. I think like the implication to me is like the after, you know, like if you if you assume that the the spirit or the whatever is is possessing is going to be like bested 
in in the best case scenario yeah I think it's it's that's where I'm kind of thinking of like would I rather be a person who can never fully trust someone I love that much again because of what they did Mm -hmm. in that state or would I would it be worse to be the person who like feels like violated like they were taken advantage of and I think I it's that's they're both so grim and so hard (laughs) but I think I don't know I think I would err on the side of like being the person who was possessed would feel I think the after effects of that would be much worse in my opinion if 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 it was like solved I mean I I don't want to give too much away but there is a one moment at the end of the the story where um, she does become possessed, but there's still a, a a bit of her that remains in terms of she can see herself doing these things, but she can't do anything to stop it. That's that's it's it's a pretty terrifying prospect based on some of the things that she's doing. But um, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, it, that does fade away, and then all that's left is this shell of her and this uh, being. I think it's interesting too, like what you said earlier of the book being like not a person so it's just like this malevolent spirit I think that adds another element of like we as people always want to find a reason you know I'm a I'm a like theology master's degree right now so literally that's my whole job is like what what is the reason behind these things and the fact that it's just like a malevolent spirit and that you you don't really get a reason it's like well what were you before you died oh nothing Mm -hmm why then why me like and that question going unanswered is a terrifying element yeah there was that one movie um it had Liv Tyler in it I think it was called The Strangers yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and at the very end of that story so all of this terrible stuff happens you know and and people get killed and then at the very end you know she asks that question you know why me why me and uh someone someone one of the guys says you know well you were you were the only one home like there was no real Mm -hmm reason behind it it was just oh you just happen to be home and let's kill you <laughs> i love that line mm-hmm. that line yeah. sends chills mm-hmm. up your spine she's just like you were home exactly <laughs> yeah looked like a good time <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> uh, i had a messed up question for you angela i'm off the messed up questions <laughs> or uh, no- or this was travis's question travis Go ahead and ask your <laughs> ask your question. Why? Okay, you're pinning this on me. All right. So, um, oh dear. I'd say we're we're mutually curious. If you could stay after death to possess someone, who would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man, I need to gauge my answer because I don't want to get in any kind of trouble here. Um... <laughs> we encourage you to use your powers for evil. Oh my goodness. Um, I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, ooh, but the people that I would, let let me just say this. I I don't have any enemies truly, uh, Mm -hmm. but a few. (laughs) And those few Mm -hmm. were well earned. (laughs) (laughs) They are so unhappy and miserable in their lives as is that I don't feel like I would even really need to come back and possess them. It would bum you out as a spirit. Right, right. I would honestly, I would, I would be bored <laughs> because I'd be like, there's nothing that I can do to you that you're not already doing to yourself already. So maybe somebody with a really big yacht that likes yeah. to go on the and I would possess the hell out of them. <laughs> right. You know, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, why do we always get like malevolent ghosts? Why not just like a ghost? That's hey, like- I want to party. Let's let's. 
find yeah. some, you know, Greek men and hang out on a yacht. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a bad time. Take control of a <laughs> I That's the best answer. I, I, I don't think that there's anyone that I have any real ill feelings to with the exception of the few I mentioned earlier, but like I said, they're trajectory south already. We're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and now, without further ado, we're going to give the audience a, a long-awaited reading from your book, The Dubuque. She jolted awake, her body sitting bolt upright before her mind even knew why. Bree smelled something but couldn't quite place it. She looked around the room, the unfamiliar shadows of furniture draped against the sable darkness, wondering where she was. Peru? She sniffed the air again, catching a glance at the bedside clock. It was a little after 3 a.m. Something smelled foul, almost like cat urine, potent and very strong in her room. Why hadn't she smelled it before? She got out of bed, knelt down at the duvet cover, and smelled it. Nothing. Confused, she rubbed the sleep out of her eyes, the scar on her arm suddenly sparking to life and burning. She looked down and saw that it had started to bleed again. Frustrated, she figured she must have agitated at getting out of bed. Bree went to the bathroom to wash the blood away, turning on the faucet, let it run a minute before the water warmed up, and then looked up at her reflection in the mirror. She wasn't alone. Behind her, there was a figure, a shadowy shape of what looked like a man in a cloak. The light in the bathroom was still off, and maybe it was her mind playing tricks on her, she thought to herself. Quickly, she flipped the light on. The sharp, bright, fluorescent light snapped on, and whatever was there was gone. The only thing she saw in the mirror was her own disheveled, confused reflection. Curiosity got the better of her. Slowly, her finger strayed back over to the light switch, her heart suddenly pumping fresh blood. Fear gripped her spine, but she just had to see. She flipped the light off. The figure was back, and this time much closer to her than before. The cloak was heavy and brown, deeply drawn so that Bree couldn't see his face. But she didn't need to. She knew who this was. Just then, she felt two gnarled hands close around her throat. She tried to let out a scream, but her air was cut off as the finger squeezed tighter. Bree's hands flailed out in front of her, scrambling to find something, anything, to fight this creature off. Her hands, as desperately as they wanted to move to her throat and fight the fingers off her throat, just couldn't bring themselves to do it. If she touched those gnarled fingers that haunted her for years in her dreams, then it would mean he's real. Despite the fact that he was right behind her, strangling her to death, somehow the touch of his fingers on hers would be paramount, and she inherently knew it. Instead, After finding nothing useful to fight him off near the sink, her hands desperately reached back out for the light switch. The fingers around her throat tightened even more, and she felt like he might crush her neck entirely. Panicked, desperate, her fingers brushed the light switch, praying, hoping, despairing, that once she turned the light on again, he would vanish as he did before. After one long moment that seemed to last a lifetime, Bree's finger finally reached the switch, and she flipped it up. The lights flashed on again. Immediately, the pressure around her throat was gone. She fell to the ground, clutching at her neck, coughing and wheezing air into her empty lungs. She felt the sobs rising up, but they refused to come. Her body's immediate sole purpose was to try to find air, not illicit cries. Bree's eyes flew up to the empty bathroom, 
red and bloodshot from what had just transpired. The man. The man. The man. She'd seen him before. Once. A very long time ago. Scrambling to her feet, unsteady and tripping over herself, she ran through the hotel room, flipping on every light that she could. She threw herself down on the bed, already feeling her throat starting to swell and bruise. She sobbed then, the sobs ripping out of her tender, swollen throat viciously. She couldn't hold them in anymore. Eventually, exhausted, Bree drifted back to sleep. The lights all around her blazing. Before oblivion set in, she caught a slight, faint whiff of jasmine. In the back of her mind, she knew that something was about to change. This man had haunted her since she was a little girl. Yet tonight was the first time he touched her. Harmed her, though she knew he always wanted to. Just like she knew, deep within her heart, that this was just the beginning. That was an excerpt from The Dubuque by Angela Darling. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, guys. I really do appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, where much. can we find, uh, where should we look for those many novels you've published and uh, this story in particular? Where can we find everything? Uh, so I have most of my stuff on Amazon. Um, there is another Angela Darling, but she writes young adult romance. Um, so <laughs> that is not me. Um, <laughs> Everything is on Amazon. I think I also have some copies on Barnes and Noble and even Walmart.com if I if I believe right. Excellent. And then you have a website, right? Yes, Angela-Darling at uh, dot com. <laughs> so yeah, go over, check out Angela's website, check out her books on Amazon. She's an extremely fun and talented author from right here in the Pacific Northwest. So show her some love. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us in our conversation with Angela Darling. Make sure you check out her websites and also look her up on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Walmart to find the many great horror novels she has written. As always, I have been Travis Vermillum. I've been Clay Vermillum. And we are both still those people. Thanks for listening to Sinister Signal.